When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry along with Austin Huff. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Austin Huff. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Follow us on social media, you guys. On Twitter, at Tighten Up Pod. On Instagram, at Tighten Up Podcast. We are under the A to Z Sports umbrella with SEC football going on right now, along with the Titans being 5-0 and and having a bunch of success this year. You need to follow A to Z Sports on all social media platforms. This is episode number 33. Shout out to everyone's favorite cupcake, Baker, Michael Griffin. We are joined on this episode by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Charles Davis. You're going to hear him this weekend on Titan Steelers. Uh, You probably know him from CBS, previously with Fox. You probably know him from the Madden video games. You probably know him from his time as a Tennessee Vols defensive back. And as the aforementioned, we're going to talk about Titan Steelers with him. He's got that game this weekend. So super stoked for this. Charles Davis, guys, I and I can't put I can't stress this enough, is the man. He is the man, just straight up. We had a lot of fun with him. Also, Derrick Henry just flat out doesn't care about your defense. Taylor Lewan is Taylor Lagon, and we are sad. Oh um, I know. I'm sorry. That wouldn't hurt just to say <laughs> it. The, the Stefcon system, we've got an update. Let's just say oh, no. it's time to be on alert this weekend with the Stefcon system rising a bit. And uh, is it too soon to say Mike Vrabel is the NFL's new Bill Belichick? Eh, you know, I, I may have a take I on why. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. And I have a take on why I think the Titans should cheat. Uh, a look ahead to the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. And of course, remember the Titan. But before we get into all of that, let's get a quick word about Milk. Creek Brewing Company. Yes, of course. Mill Creek Brewing Company, located in Nolensville, Tennessee. Uh, these guys are awesome. They they have a great brewery where you can go watch. It's great for weekends. You can watch SEC football there, college football in general. A great bar, a big outside patio area, perfect for your Saturday and Sunday NFL viewing, uh, along with some great beers, some great craft beers. Uh, they are doing a thing with the mainstay where if you show up on Titans game days, any Mill Creek product is $3.50. Any Mill Creek draft, that is, is running $3.50. They also have a fall cornhole classic coming up. December 5th, get your team signed up. It's on Eventbrite. You can go to Eventbrite, buy a ticket, $25 a person, $200 per team. And some of some great things that go into that is a lunch, an open bar, a silent auction access, uh, just a ton of great stuff going on. Mill Creek Brewing Company, great motto as well. Less fuss, more beer. Ooh, I love it. All right. With that said, let's talk tight. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. 
What is up, you flameheads? Welcome into the Tighten Up Podcast. Today is October 21st, 2020. My birthday, not to brag. Uh, the Tennessee... Oh, thanks, Jack. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to bring it up. The yeah, Tennessee Titans are. You made it so long into the podcast to, to mention it. <laughs> the Tennessee Titans are five and zero for the first time since two thousand eight. We're going to keep saying that until they go uh, ten and zero for the first time since two thousand eight. But they're five and zero, and I'm just going to say it, Jack. I'm going to start the podcast off like this. This has been a really, really tough week for the Derrick Henry is running soft crowd. Yeah, uh, he had a he had video game numbers. We have Charles Davis on, who is the the voice one of the voices of Madden. Derrick Henry had a video game yeah. performance, and he this past week. Yeah, t- over two hundred yards. He had yeah, more yards I- than like five NFL teams uh, this week. It, look, Derrick Henry, he had been bottled up the week before, although he still scored two touchdowns against the Bills. But to see this and threw Josh Norman into the stands too, and it was kind of a gradual incline, wasn't it? You know, although he didn't have all the yards to go along with his performance on on uh, Tuesday against the Bills, he we saw him throw Josh Norman like a rag doll. We saw him get to the end zone twice, and it's kind of just built up to this to his third two hundred yard performance in his career. Yeah, which it has been impressive, although it is still very early on. The third 200-yard performance in three consecutive years. This is becoming my my favorite annual tradition. You know, like everyone's got their uh, what, like Thanksgiving's coming up, the Christmas traditions. You know, things that they do every single year. For Titans fans, it's watching Derrick Henry go off for 200 yards. That's become an annual thing. That's uh, that along with like, you know, annual draft parties and things like that that the Titans put on. Derrick Henry rushing for 200 yards is just something we've come to expect. And I love it. And we got one this past week. He handed the Texans their worst loss since the Alamo. I freaking love what he's doing on football fields. And, and what have Jack and I been saying all year? Everyone's been, you know, and, and it almost came quicker this year than it normally does. But a lot of people coming out and saying, oh, Derrick Henry, he's just not running the same. You know, he's not because he's not going off for 80 yard touchdowns on every run. Well, finally, you got that. And the <laughs> yeah. and suddenly the whole Derrick Henry isn't running hard takes have started to dwindle. You don't you don't hear him as much uh, anymore after he goes off for 200 yards. That's what Jack and I've been saying all year. You don't if. Anyone who says that Derrick Henry's running soft has clearly never watched a Derrick Henry season because as the year goes on, he gets better. As as the game goes on, he gets better. When you get into the fourth quarter, no one wants to tackle Derrick Henry. When you get into the second half of the NFL season, no one wants to tackle Derrick Henry. And sure enough, after on Tuesday, after picking up one bill and throwing him, five days later, he picks up two bills on the ground. And... I just love Derrick Henry with all my heart. I've said it. I said it on uh, on 104.5 The Zone the other day. I said it on my other podcast. I will say it on this podcast. I I Derrick Henry is the only running back in NFL history who I would pay for an OnlyFans account just to watch his runs. That's how much I love this man. And and or, it, or his workouts. Him. Yeah, or his workouts with the medicine ball. He could make some. He could make some money off those workouts as well. Uh, Ninety-four yards. How about that? You know, I, I, I there was this stat that a bunch of people were pushing on Twitter and everything. Um, expected yards uh, for that play w- was only about four or five. Well, he turned a four or five yard gain 
into a 94-yard touchdown, something that only Derrick Henry can do. He's in the MVP race, along with his quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. The Titans are 5-0. They have the best offense, I think, in franchise history. Yeah, uh, The stats will back that up as well. Now, only if we can get that defense figured out. Yeah, they uh, they do have they have the second best offense in terms of yardage. They have the second best offense in terms of scoring in the NFL. But on the defensive side of the ball, they have the 15th worst scoring defense and the 27th worst yardage defense. So not great. It's a little bit a little bit lopsided there, but. But to your point about uh, uh, Derrick Henry, like, think about this. In the last couple of years, we have seen Derrick Henry go off for 94 and 99 yards. <laughs> and Jack, as I was watching the game on Sunday, I, I, I was watching on uh, my fire stick, you know, and, and my, oh, internet, my internet connection, for whatever reason, was not the strongest. And I'm watching the game, and no joke, Derrick Henry makes it past the first level of uh defenders and he you know into like where you know like the linebackers normally line up and i could see that he was going to go off for at least seven to 12 yards like i could see like okay this is going to be like a first down run at very least it could move the chain it was, it was a chain moving run exactly but then my 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 <laughs> my connection started buffering and it just froze with him like that and this is this was a crucial point in the game because if you remember the Titans were trailing by two points and they needed to you know to rip off some sort of drive at least to to sustain some you know yardage and get it out because they were they were pinned deep obviously they were on the six yard line they were pinned deep they needed some yardage and my 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 fire stick just starts buffering and I'm like of all times when Derrick Henry has the football of all oh, points no. like he couldn't have done it on a uh, on a Khalif Raymond out route or a uh, Anthony <laughs> Ferkser shovel pass or something like that no it had to happen when Derrick Henry or the punt right before yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly it had to happen when Derrick Henry was handed the football and uh, sure enough by the time it was finished buffering I just saw him outrun literally everyone on the Texans defense, which tells me that everyone on the Texans defense is slower than my own internet connection. It was, it was a, one of the best things to see because so often we talk about how big of a man Derrick Henry is and how massive he is and how he just runs people over and throws people, you know, up into the trip uh, upper deck. Shout out Josh Norman. The, I, this showed that he is also insanely fast and I've I've made this point before, but anyone who watched the old Inspector Gadget uh, cartoon, to me, Derrick Henry is like uh, Inspector Gadget's car, where it it can be either a van when you need it to be, or it can it can transform into a sports car, which is what Derrick Henry did on that run and just outran everyone, reached up to twenty one miles per hour on that run, and he and he said after the game that he it still wasn't fast enough. Like he wants to get up to 22 miles per hour. The dude is speeding in a school zone on runs and he's like, yeah, it's not fast enough. And he's look, he, he's already atop the league in rushing yards, which really isn't a surprise to much of anyone after what we saw last year, but he's 83 yards clear of second place, which is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And he's played one last game. I mean, Derrick Henry's going to run away. If, if, Health, you know, continue. Derrick Henry's going to run away with the rushing title again. He's got a shot at 2,000 yards. Uh, and we know, Titans fans know, that Derrick Henry's best work doesn't really come until he starts getting really cold. Around yeah. week 10 is when he typically picks things up is what we've seen throughout his career. 
So the best is still to come, possibly, yeah. with Derrick Henry and this Titans offense, which is ridiculous to say. A Titans offense, which Ryan Tannehill has set up the run beautifully just by his success through the air. And he hasn't really he hasn't had Corey Davis and A.J. Brown on the field at the same time outside of week one against Denver. Think about that. His, his weapons have been depleted. Jonu Smith got hurt in the Texans game. Anthony Ferkser steps right in, uh, over 100 yards receiving. I mean, Arthur Smith is going to be hired as a head coach, if not next year, the year following. Uh, but it's looking more and more like he'll be gone after this season, which means the Titans have to capitalize You know, this season. This yeah. is their season. They've finally gotten the national recognition. You see Colin Cowherd ranking them as his second best team in the NFL right now. Stephen A. Smith putting them number one on Stephen's A list. Um, a, a list that I look forward to every week, uh, but but the, the, this Titans offense is different. And you go back to the Titans offense in 2003, where they had Steve McNair, they had uh, Eddie George, Drew Bennett, uh, Derek Mason, you know all, Frank Wycheck, all these all these huge uh, offensive weapons. And you look at the 2020 version and say, damn, the, that 2003 team doesn't really compare to this team. And the 2020 team hasn't even really un- unlocked its potential. They, they haven't had everyone on the field at the same time. Now, the Lawan injury hurts. It does. Yeah. It, run left has been the Titans' motto this season and last season. Run the damn ball, right, with Derrick Henry. Give the ball to Derrick Henry. There's masks, for God's sakes, that say that. Now, <laughs> now how are you? how is Ty Sambrillo going to come and fill in? I, I know that the J.J. Watt strip sack has everyone kind of worried, as it should. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis Kelly, could he move to left tackle? Will Isaiah Wilson be elevated anytime soon? There's still some questions within this offense. And now the Lawan injury does come at a bad time. You have the Steelers coming to town, an undefeated team, a battle for uh, right now the number one seed in the AFC. And this year it's important because there's only one team in each conference that gets a buy in the playoffs with the expanded field. So it makes this game even more important. Now, I know that that offense may not be completely 100% ready to go against the Steelers, but they're going to have to work with what they got. With the one injury happening uh, as early as it did, five games into the season, that gives 11 games for this offensive line to to get its stuff together and figure it out as the season moves on and to hopefully be hitting their stride uh, as we enter December, uh, late November, or, or, you know, early into the playoffs. Yeah, and before we before we dive uh, any deeper into the Lawan injury, I wanted to add that first time in NFL history, uh, a quarterback, a team had a quarterback pass throw for over 350 yards, and a running back run for over 200 yards in the same game, and and we saw that on Sunday with Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. And this is this is coming at a time where every defense is honing in on Derrick Henry. They know Derrick Henry's getting the ball. Every defense is defensive game plan against the Titans is to shut down Derrick Henry. And I'm sure they're saying, let's let Ryan Tannehill beat us with this team of ragtag receivers that they have. Well, now, now it's getting harder and harder to game plan against this offense because even if you do shut down Derrick Henry, which we have seen at times, the Buffalo Bills did a good job of bottling up Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill is taking it upon himself to beat teams individually. And so now it's getting harder and harder to game plan against this team. And I am, I'm loving every single bit of it. And as you said, I think, I think we can say this is the best offense that we have ever seen in Tennessee ever paired with the defense. 
It's not great, but they say the best defense is a really good offense, and the Titans have that. They're able to outscore teams. Sure, the defense will probably give up at least 30 points in a game outside of the Buffalo Bills game. <laughs> Shout out the Bills for being terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that really helped the average, didn't it? Yeah. They, shout out to the Bills for not even being able to put up 20 points against this defense. My goodness, how bad are the Bills? Uh, no. the So that, the fact that, you know, the, the Titans defense is going to give up 30 points, but this this offense can outscore that is great. Now, there is some, you know, there are some moments here where, okay, you lose Taylor Lewan for an ACL injury. He tweeted, uh, and I quote, I wanted to let everyone know I got an MRI today. This was on Monday. I tore my ACL yesterday against Houston. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm going to handle this rehab like a pro and come back better than ever. Thank you at Titans, uh, at Titans fans for your support. Hashtag no bad days. Now this loss is bad on two reasons. One, not only are you losing one of your best players on, uh, the team, obviously one of your most highly paid players on the team as well. Uh, in Taylor Lewan on that offensive line, but you're also losing one of those guys who's just an outspoken leader. And I know we've had our issues with Taylor Lewan and his leadership in the past, but I think he's really become self-aware and worked on that over the years. And I, and we haven't given him enough credit in that realm. And I'm, I'm, I'm really bummed that he's, he's going to be around less because he will be rehabbing that knee. He's not going to be there suited up every, every Sunday for game day. And that kind of sucks. And then you couple that with what you're missing on the offensive line. And you brought it up. What do you do? Do you move Dennis Kelly over? Do you, is Isaiah Wilson going to have to ha, you know, have more responsibility on him in his first year? I don't know. And to me, the, the J.J. Watt strip sack, that was like an eye-opening, oh, wow, Taylor Lewan is gone. Taylor is Lagan. Not sorry. That was... Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but but that's it's also JJ Watt. That's one of the best defensive ends in this sport. Yeah. Like you have to know he's going to make plays like that. Not every defensive end that you face is going to be like JJ Watt on every single play against whoever has to carry the water for Taylor Lewan the rest of the way. So I I I don't think we need to get too up in arms about that that sort of eye-opening moment, but it is it does suck because you won't have Lewan there on the edge. And yeah, the, the left tackle position when you have a right-handed quarterback is the blind side, right? It's one of the most important positions on the field, if not the most important outside of the quarterback. Uh, but now... Yeah, it's also a great Sandra Bullock movie that got her an Oscar, so... That's right, yeah. Shout out Michael Orr, former Titan great. Um, <laughs> but but you, you now have this situation where you're looking at Sambrillo, Dennis Kelly, Isaiah Wilson, three guys. Uh, Dennis Kelly's a great rota- rotational lineman. Uh, look... Doriel Green Beckham was definitely worth getting rid of to bring in Kelly from the Eagles. Nobody soon, forgets dude. about that trade. Could be, the, could be the best trade in Titans history. But <laughs> you, you now have a situation where the Titans may have to be playing this, this musical chairs game of who's going to start at left tackle, who's going to start at the tackles. You know, uh, If Sambrillo holds it down on the left side, that's perfect. That allows Dennis Kelly to play at his, at his natural right tackle position where he has done a, you know, he, look, he's, he's not going to be a pro bowler. But he's he's going to protect the quarterback, you know. He's got a better chance to succeed than rookie Isaiah Wilson, who's had his troubles off the field. Not to mention, he's a raw talent who who really doesn't appear to to be anywhere close to getting the starting nod uh, this season. He hasn't hardly practiced the, without the the off season that really hurt him. And then he goes on the COVID list. He's he's just not ready to go, and he may not be for quite some time. 
So the Titans are going to have to deal with that. Lawan, we miss you. We will look big hugs, tiny kisses, right? Uh, he went on, he went on the bus and said that this is something that he's never really dealt with before. He's only had one surgery and that was to get his tonsils removed. Uh, <laughs> I, I trust that. And I believe in Lawan when he said that he's going to crush this rehab, uh, it seems like him and Saffold have built something really special on that left side of the ball. Saffold chiming in saying, uh, it's not just you going through rehab. I'm going to be with you the whole time, uh, which I really love to see because, look, both of those guys have been criticized throughout the past for different reasons. Saffold struggled early on last year. Uh, Lawan, his personality rubs people the wrong way sometimes. But I, I really like what they've built on that offensive line. I think it's working. I think it was working. Um, well, let's just, let's just hope that Sam Brillo can, can really just kind of earn that, earn that left tackle spot can be a starter that the Tannehill can trust and rely on and that Arthur Smith doesn't really have to have to game plan around, you know, putting a, putting a back on the left side of Tannehill every single time that they're in shotgun formation, stuff like that. Yeah, this is, this is one of those things where this is a true test of, uh, where you, how you find out if your team is truly a great team or not. And we've said all year, good teams find ways to win bad games. And look, the Texans are one in five. Titans were able to pull out a win in overtime. The Texans, to me, are better than their one in five record. They're more talented than one in five. But they, and they nearly knocked off the Titans. They honestly, they probably should have knocked off the Titans thanks to Romeo Cornell's two point conversion. <laughs> what an idiot. My goodness. The idiot still lies strong. I like that call though. I think, you, I think you have to go for two there because you, you look, you kick the extra point. It's eight point game. You know, it's the, that's two point conversions are tough, but really when you looked at the way the Titans offense was moving and with Derrick Henry in the backfield, you know, with 200 yards on the day, I think you have to go for two to make it a two-possession game and ice the game right I, well, then and there. It's the difference of going for the win or going for making a team have to get a two-point conversion winning. To me, and maybe I'm just more conservative in my viewpoints when it comes to football, but I think you you just you you kick the extra point, you make it an eight score or eight-point game, and that way. Because people and and not a lot of people talk about this, but when you when you have to get a two point conversion, we have to score a touchdown and get a two point conversion. That's essentially like having to score two touchdowns, which isn't easy. It's not easy at all. And to me, I, I think that you have a better chance of putting the onus on your opponent to have to be perfect, where more so on your own team. Where and the. Making it a nine score game, I get it. You put the game out of reach. You you completely you win the game right there. But I'm just like, look, do the sure thing, get the free points, and make your make your opponent have to score a touchdown and then score another touchdown to get that two point conversion. I, I just I just trust that more and more. But yeah, well, one more thing, we do have to get to Charles Davis here soon. But if you're Romeo Cornell with an interim head coach tag. Uh, you know, you're, you're leading a one-win team in a divisional in a divisional game on the road. I think you're playing with house money. I think going for two was the right call. Look, ended up backfiring on Cornell. Lord knows what would have happened if the Titans scored. Uh, maybe they would have brought the King Cat out then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe they would have debuted the King Cat uh, on the two-point conversion rather than the overtime win. So either way, shout out Romeo Cornell. Uh, look, he's no Bill O'Brien. And we're sad about that, but <laughs> no one is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he, 
he made he, he made a questionable decision towards the end of the game, and, and the Titans ended up prospering. So I I, for I that like we the, thank you, Romeo. Yeah, I like the King Cat. Last thing I'll say is the so what I was what I was getting at was the this is where the true test of how good the Titans are is when the injuries arise. You knew you knew that. We and we've said that good teams find ways to win bad games, and the offense played great on Sunday. The defense obviously did not, but the Titans still found a way to win. The Titans have found a way to win in five games this season. Well, really four because they they dominate that Bills game. They but they've found a way to win in the other four games. Good teams find ways to win bad games. Good teams also find ways to fill holes once they arise. Because in every NFL season, you will have injuries, and they will come up, sometimes at more key positions than others. This left tackle position, I would say, is a key position. Now it's a matter of how good the Titans are. Are the Titans good enough to where they can fill that vol next man up and not miss a beat, or will that pose problems for them? We don't know. The only time will tell, but... This is where we separate. Okay, are the Titans a good team? A, a good, they're clearly a good enough team to find ways to win bad games. Are they a good enough team to fill holes when they need to with the depth that they have? And I guess we'll only only time will tell. It's a question a lot of people are asking, and and this is this is where the the weird offseason kind of hurts you because you don't know really what you have behind some of these guys at some of these positions. Uh, what I'm looking forward to is hopefully Malcolm Butler and Christian Fulton, you know, holding it down on the outside. Malcolm Fuller, Malcolm Butler can't keep getting roasted. 53 yard touchdown to Will Fuller. Absolutely unacceptable. Cannot have a breakdown like that in the fourth quarter of a tight game. Uh, hopefully Dory Jackson gets back this week, if not next week, but for now, I guess we go to CD. Yeah, let's go to our guy Charles Davis now, officially Uncle Charles Davis. He's got the call, Titans-Steelers this weekend, and he's just the man. You guys are going to love this, so sit back if you're not already sitting back. I don't know why you would be like up and attentive for this podcast, but go ahead and just sit back, relax, and enjoy Charles Davis. Describe our guest this week in two words. It would be the man. Since 2006, you've been able to catch him on Fox Sports, but up until this year, he's now on CBS, which by default means we get him on more Titans broadcasts, including this week's Titans-Steelers game. He is a former Tennessee Volunteer defensive back, which Jack and I will try not to hold against him. Uh, oh, and not to brag, but he's a 2019 inductee into the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame located in Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. He's also, uh, he's also won an award for having the best smile in broadcasting, which I gave to him on a previous podcast last year. And, uh, and I'm giving it to him once again this year. So that's now back-to-back titles there. So not to brag. Uh, and I'll say this, as a former radio producer, he is one of the best guys in sports to deal with. Extremely genuine, extremely nice. Oh, and he just so happens to be in extremely good at his job as well. You can follow him on Twitter at CFD22. He is Charles Franklin Davis. Charles, how are you, man? I'm doing well, and after that uh, introduction, I'm pretty much walking on air. So thank <laughs> you very much. Awfully kind to you guys. And, you know, it reminds me of an old, 
old time uh, interview where a guy got introduced and really nice praise similar to what you just gave me. And when they got done and introduced the guy, the guy said, I really want to meet him. Who the heck is that guy? <laughs> and it turned out it was him. So I'm, I'm kind of in the same spot right now. It sounds like a pretty good guy. And I want to beat him one day. So thank hey. you. It's awfully kind of you. Of course. All, all well-deserved. Now, now, uh, uh, CD, I want to start here. Um, because you've, you've got Titan Steelers this weekend and this is yeah. the Titan up podcast. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, we're, we're kind of biased and Homerish, but I, I have to, the fact that you've got Titan Steelers means you also have a game in which Derek Henry will be playing. Are you prepared yeah. that on any snap, what you say can be tied to an internet meme for life? Oh, without a doubt. And you know, it's, it's, it's really, Watching what he's doing right now, I have a 23-year-old son, okay? So, yeah, I think you guys understand that at that age, how much historical knowledge we, we bring to the table, probably a little bit on the questionable side because we're just like, today, it's all about today, and, you know, what am I going to do later today? And, you know, anybody older than three years in the past, like, God, that's ancient, you know? I mean, <laughs> you know, that appreciation for the greats of the game, but he hit me. And this is true story. He hit me last week when they beat up on the Bills. And Derek, you know, of course, did what he did to Josh Norman. And he <laughs> said, that's the, best, that's the best running back that's ever played. And I said, well, you know, son, I'm 55, and I've seen a few guys who are pretty <laughs> darn good. You know, I, I'm not going to tell you that Derek Henry's not a very good player. But, you know, and I started, you know, educating him on some of the guys I thought were some of the greats of the past. You know, and he would look at the videos and go, oh, he's pretty good. Oh, he's pretty good. And then Derek did what he did last week. And immediately the text came through. I think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so that's where we're headed. Look, we're not there yet because you guys know longevity has its place, right? Longevity is part of what we do. But he is stringing together seasons, games, moments that you're going to eventually, we're all going to eventually say, do you remember watching Derrick Henry play? And, and that, that goes in the same pantheon as if you were a baseball fan and you were of a certain vintage, did you see Ben Kofax's pitch? Did you see Willie Mays play? Mickey Mantle? You know what I'm talking about. That's where we're headed if we continue this pace, continue the way he's going, and he's in the right ideal situation, that this is an organization, this is a coaching staff, that wants to run offense through him, not have him just be a complimentary piece. And he is absolutely sensational. So I spent all week trying to say, okay, who does he remind me of? You know, who is his game like? And I'm just going to stick with the franchise and say, how about a franchise that essentially in their line goes from Earl Campbell to Eddie George to Derrick Henry? That's a pretty good line of runners right there. Chris yeah. Johnson also. Yeah, with the speedy yeah. back uh, there. But, but, in... I, but, I, but I don't put Chris in there with these guys because of build. I'm talking yeah. about okay. big backs, beat you up, yeah. the whole deal. CJ2K, we all know what he was, and he was phenomenal. We know that. But what I'm saying is, in terms of the build, the size, the power that they run with, oh, and by the way, can outrun people once they get to the second and third <laughs> level as well. That's a whole different ball game because, you know, I had to tell my son, you know, because I told him, I said, Earl Campbell is what I think of. And I showed him Earl Campbell's first game ever as a pro. And he took a lateral pass 
that was first called a pass play and then later corrected, amended it correctly to a run and went 70 something yards in his first game ever in the NFL. And my son's like, he is so big. And I said, yeah, this is what, you know, we talked about Derrick Henry. This is why the comparison is there. And then Derrick Henry's breaking 90 plus yard runs. He and Earl could both go. Well, on behalf of Jack I and all Titans fans, really, I hope you get another text from your son this this Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bit, you know, my son, he is locked in on this now. And every time Derrick Henry breathes, I get a text now. Okay, so I don't have to worry about that. So, so that part won't be a problem at all. CD rankings are so they're they're so important, I guess. Today they're talked about in every just about every single you know national talk show. Whether you know who's number one, who's number two, and and they, they kind of do that as well with the running backs this year. With McCaffrey going down to an injury, he'll return soon. Nick Chubb's out with an injury now. Zeke with two first half fumbles last night. Is it safe to say that Derrick Henry right now, as of today, is the best running back in the NFL? I think it's a safe one. I, I do, and it's not just because we're all on a tighten-up podcast, which which makes things simpler, right? You go, oh, yeah, anyone is fighting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you but, just play the hits. But the, Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And just keep playing them, right? As you'll, you'll last a long time as a disc jockey. For, for those who don't know what disc jockey is, Google it. But anyway, <laughs> you know, that that's what, what, what would be easy. But it's also easy when you're supported with evidence. Okay, this isn't faith. You know, faith is belief without evidence. This is, you can see it in front of you. Numbers tell you, play on the tape tells you, ask defenders, they'll tell you the whole deal. And here's the other part, too, that I think people are going to discover more and more. We know about Derrick Henry as an imposing runner, okay? There are guys in the league who, if they were questionable about coming back that week and all of a sudden it's the Titans, they might very well take another week before they come back and have to deal with that, right? You're like, oh, I don't know about that. The other part that people are going to start to lock in on is what you guys saw last week, the ability to catch the ball in the backfield as well, okay? I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's McCaffrey. McCaffrey is a true wide receiver who is also a running back. I mean, he runs routes just like any receiver you can put in the league, okay? I'm just telling you, if you put McCaffrey next to any receiver running routes, you wouldn't tell the difference if they if he didn't have a 22 jersey on. That's how good he is at that. I'm not putting anyone in that category, okay? But Derrick Henry underrated as a guy who could get out of the back of the catch because you just see the 22 and the, the tail coming out of the helmet, and you're just thinking, that guy can run it and beat you up. No, he can also catch a little niftier out in the open field than you'll give him credit for. Adrian Peterson was the ultimate beat-you-up running back, but throwing it to him, you held your breath for most of, his, most of your career. You don't hold your breath with Derrick Henry. He has good hands out of the backfield. He, he does, and that's something he's been working on. And in today's NFL, it's it's more throw it around, sling it deep. We have the Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers uh, type quarterbacks that, that have succeeded uh -huh. so much in years past. But the last running back to win an MVP award was AP in 2012. Does Derrick yeah. Henry yeah. have a shot this year? He does. He absolutely has a shot because if you look around the league, yes, we're always going to be locked in on quarterbacks. And look, at my age, I've, I've said this probably for the last five years minimum, but, but uh, let's, let's just keep it at that. But there's never been a time in the, in the game of football that's been more quarterback-centric than it is right now. I mean, you're running everything through your quarterback. Okay, there were Super Bowls where you could work around your quarterback and win a Super Bowl. The Giants did it against the Bills. 
But Jeff Hostetler had to fill in for Phil Sims when he got hurt. And O.J. Anderson ran with those monster thigh pads like Earl Campbell used to wear. And they ran them in, you know, not into submission, but enough to keep the game tight, close, the ball away from Buffalo. And then, of course, Norwood missed the field goal. Nowadays, when you think about Super Bowls, do you think about teams working around their quarterback or do you work through your quarterback, right? That's how, that's how the game has evolved. But Derrick Henry's taken us back. Tannehill, you can run your game through Tannehill, but you want to run it through Henry. And that's just a different deal because, look, guys, colleges have gotten smaller on defense because we spread it out and we throw it around and we do it and we go up-tempo and the whole deal. So you're getting what the colleges are producing to the NFL, which means what? Smaller linebackers, a lot of linemen who are, who are not just run stuffers, right? They're, they're more, more, more agile on their feet a little bit more. And guess what? Here comes 250 pounds of man just beating you up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a whole different <laughs> ball game. So if Tennessee continues on the run that they're on, and they are the factor we expect them to be at the end of the year, there will be MVP votes for Derrick Henry out there and available. Now, he's got to overcome the stigma of the quarterbacks, and we kind of default there. Look at the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes or Damian Williams, right? Who won the MVP? Mahomes did. Right. Okay. So there's almost a default that way in in how we think. But Derrick Henry, if you don't think about him as a potential MVP, you're missing the boat. Look at Kansas City last night. I had them two weeks ago, guys. Against the Raiders, they never really adjusted with what was going on. The Raiders were, were playing them to throw the ball, so they didn't just beat them up running it. Plus, the Raiders eventually got a lead, and now they ch- now Kansas City was chasing, so they threw more. Did you watch last night? Did you see yeah. how Buffalo tried to play them? Did you see what the adjustment that Andy Reid and Kansas City made last night and probably wrote on his play sheet? Okay, don't go back and be me. <laughs> okay, keep running the football. And Clyde Edwards Elair did, and guess what? He was phenomenal last night. Now that now Patrick Mahomes is able to throw off the run, now you got really got a problem on your hands. That's what that's where the game is going if you if you play it the right way, and that's where Derrick Henry can absolutely be an MVP candidate because good things happen as a result of the focal point, which is him. Now, you, we've got Titans Steelers this week, and. This is a this is a Titans podcast, but Charles, we want you to be completely honest. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to pat us on the head or anything. But both of these teams are undefeated. They're five and zero. But if you look yeah. at their if you look at their schedules, they've really between the two of them, they've only played two teams with winning records, and yeah. um, one of those teams with winning records was the Browns. So, right. My my question to you is, which team of these two five and zero teams, which team are you more skeptical of? Which team like do you not trust as much uh, coming into this game? And and look, if you want to say Titans, be honest, <laughs> you can say it, but just know we probably but, but, we won't appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that I understand, and, and nor should you, because when you talk about five and zero teams in the NFL, it really doesn't matter who you played, because it is the NFL, as we've seen so many times. Some of these bad teams jump up and bite you. But I know where you're going, and I get your point. So skeptical would not be the word I would use. So I'm going to go ahead, even though you you use that word, I'm going to use my power as your guest and say we're going to take skeptical and set it aside. Okay. The team that I would say I would you know question, you know want to see a little bit more of, frankly, 
I want to see what Tennessee is going to continue to do defensively. Yeah. Because I like this team in a lot of ways. Jeffrey Simmons, I think, is a wrecker inside. Okay, absolutely. All right. I want to see what happens if it's an evenly played game throughout. A team that absolutely can throw the football and throw the weapons Pittsburgh can throw at you in terms of pass receivers. And can people get home and put pressure on Big Ben? You signed Jadevian Clowney to do that. Gerald Landry was drafted to do that. Vic Beasley was signed to do that. If there's ever a week to come forward and get it done. Now, here's the thing. The catch is, of course, that means you've slowed down their run game. Because Pittsburgh is very similar to Tennessee. James Conner's not Derrick Henry, but he has three 100-yard games so far this year. Okay, Anthony McFarland now has become a guy who can sprint to the open field for them as a complimentary piece. Benny Snell, as we know, he's a, you know, a descendant of Matt Snell, who scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl and used to beat people up running the football. That's what he does. He calls it Benny Snell football. So if they slow them down running it, can those guys get home and put pressure on Big Ben? Because there hasn't been a ton of that this year, right, that you've seen with Pittsburgh. I think he's thrown, what, one pick all year long? So that's what we're. That's what I'm eager to see because that's kind of been the Achilles. But if you want to call an Achilles heel, that's been the question mark at Tennessee for a few seasons now. Who provides the pressure on the quarterback? They've been drafting for it. They've signed people for it. Sunday would be a really good time for it to, <laughs> to really emerge because you don't want to have Big Ben back there trying to pick people apart. And this Sunday, it's kind of best on best. The Titans have a top two offense in the NFL statistically, and the Steelers yeah. have a second best defense in the NFL statistically. Both, both units suffered a big loss this past week. Steelers lost linebacker Devin Bush. Titans lost left tackle Taylor DeLon, both for the season, both yeah. huge losses. Uh, between those two units, right now, who do you give an edge to? Ooh, wow. <laughs> I worry more about the loss of Lawan than I do about the loss of Devin Bush, despite how good Devin Bush is. I think you can hide, hide a few more things in middle linebacker and inside linebacker than you can at left tackle. You know, yeah. left tackle, there's no hiding, guys. You, know, you guys know that. And, look, Tyson Brelo, he settled down and played fairly well, but remember immediately after the game, the game what happened? Sack from fumble. J.J. Watt yeah. right away. So those are the things that, that concern the heck out of you. With, with your quarterback, with your run game. The Steelers got away with it more with Spillane playing for Devin Bush. Now, we'll see what happens if they can get away with it with Derrick Henry. And will they mix and match a little bit more in there? You know, will Ulysses Grant come in? Will Marcus Allen, the former safety, they turned inside linebacker, come in? But remember this, guys. All those things that Steelers fans are throwing out there, Grant, not Grant, but, um, yeah, Ulysses Grant, and Marcus Allen, how many snaps have they played on defense all year long? Do you guys know the answer to that? Tell no. me. Zero. So everyone's saying, well, maybe they could fill in. Or maybe they have not taken a, taken a snap. And then you look at what happened with Bush. Spillane came in. They gave him the green dot, which meant he was the play caller. And he played the rest of the way. So I don't know that there's any question about what the Steelers want to do. They want to go with him. Now, is he up to the task against Henry as opposed to what the Browns were throwing at him? Because they absolutely stuffed the Browns. And the reason they're able to do that and help their linebackers are, as Jeffrey Simmons helps linebackers in Tennessee, Dayton Jones, those guys, excuse me, Daquan uh, Jones, you're talking about Stephon Tuitt, 
Tyson Alualu, Cameron Hayward. That's a lot of beef up front to keep your linebackers clean and let them run to the football. CD, uh, I don't want to toot our own horn here, but this podcast that you're yeah, on go currently. Ahead. Okay. Go ahead. All right. All right. Fine. I'll toot it. I'm going to toot this horn. I've never had a problem doing it before. Yeah. But it, Do it. I was lying. I did want to toot my own horn. Uh, yeah. This podcast that you're on right now is we've got, we've got some pull. We have uh, yeah. made some big things happen within this podcast. Most notably, uh, we had Young Buck on the podcast uh, probably about a month or so ago. And he, you know, Nashville rapper, part of G-Unit, mm-hmm. never, mm-hmm. Had a, uh, never had his song played in Nissan Stadium for the Titans. Okay. Okay. The power of our listenership and, and just, the, you know, just the, the, the flexing of the muscles that Jack and I did collectively. The collective we able, clout between the two of us. Yes, for. without question. We were able to get Young Buck onto the game day playlist at Nissan Stadium. Huh. So now it, now it plays weekly. That's strong. Yeah, thank you. That's I, wrong. Again, not to brag. Actually, yes, no, that's, completely that's to brag. I'm just going to tell you guys, before you go on with the story, this is why I immediately said that's strong, because you never know who truly controls playlists, right? right? <laughs> when, when, Cam, when Cam was in Carolina and you'd go to practice, and you guys remember, remember back when we used to be able to go to practices? <laughs> remember those <laughs> yeah, days? Yeah, right, right. When you would go to practice, and, you know, most NFL teams have music at their practices now, right? It's prevalent. NFL, college, the whole thing, right? Cam yeah. controlled the entire playlist at Carolina. Oh, wow. Like, I, it, like if you wanted a song on, it had to go through Cam. And I went out there one time, and it was mid-December, maybe the third week in December, headed towards the holidays. And the entire playlist was Christmas music. And I just looked at one of the media people from Carolina, and I went, Cam, he said every song. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for you guys to have the poll to get something played there, I don't know who runs the music there. That means you guys are in. So anyway, go ahead with your yeah. Story. Well, yeah, it's, I guess it's a good thing Cam Newton like isn't like a like a Kenny Loggins fan or something because then that would just be awful for everyone else. But uh, <laughs> no, the uh, the the reason I bring this up is because I'm I I wanted to ask you. If we gave you a word like, I don't know, like spice or something like that, uh-huh. would you be able to work it into the broadcast on Sunday? Because not only Jack and I, but everyone who's listening to this podcast will be watching the game, watching your broadcast of the game on Sunday. Would that be possible? Because, and look, and I get it, you're a professional. Is that the word you are seeking? Yeah, um, I got to know the word. We, yeah, I got to understand. I got to know the word because remember, I'm under new employment first and foremost. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. all right. And I would like to continue to be employed. That's true. So That's depending a good on point. what word you come up, whatever word you come up with, there may be certain words. It's probably not a good idea. Kind of like, you know, I don't know if you guys are old enough from the movie Bull Durham. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. With Kevin Costner, uh-huh. and he ended up, you know, having that role with the umpire. And, you know, the guy, you know, did you call me that? And he's like, I didn't call you that. I said it was that call, blah, 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 blah. And then the guy's like, you call me that, I'll run you. And he's like, you begging me to do it? And finally he says it, and he throws him out of the game. And Susan Sarandon and what's her name are listening to the radio. And she turns to her and goes, oh, he must have called them a blank. I can't use that. <laughs> right, right. Well, and right, yeah, you're, so you're so still so the new guy so in the office, too. Like, we're not going to – I would like to – 
work past Sunday. I don't want <laughs> Sunday to be my farewell tour thing. <laughs> Doc Emmerich, look, Doc Emmerich retired at the age of 74 with a very distinguished career, the all-time great. Now, I'm not going to put myself in anywhere close to the all-time or any grade or anything like that. I just want to work. <laughs> and, and, you guys, and it sounds to me like you guys are eagerly rubbing your hands together saying, let's see if we can get it to say this word. Well, I want to know what the word is. I have a proposal for you, CD. And, you know, Brett Kern, the Titans punter, one of the best punters of all time. We, yep. we, we've, we, we've kind of started this nickname for him, the Coffin Kerner, you know, because he, he always yeah. puts the ball in the coffin corner Ooh, uh, look it, at you guys. inside Kerner, the tin. Maybe, well just maybe, if you were to drop the Coffin Kerner on television, yeah. maybe after a great Brett Kern punt, of which he hopefully won't have too many, hopefully he won't have to be punting, but maybe, just maybe, if you drop the coffin kerner, that may raise some eyebrows. And yeah, because because then that so, makes so, you look what? that makes you so, look you good. What? I'm gonna I'm, I'm cut you a deal. All right, if Brett Kern drops one inside the ten, the coffin kerner will come out. Oh, I love it. Oh I love gosh. it. Yes. All right, all right, all right. I like that. I like that because then I, that... I, I, I was gonna say five. But just because there's two of you, I doubled it to ten, <laughs> and I kind of like it. So you do that, the coffin kerner inside the tent. Oh, Love it. All right, yeah, it's gonna happen. Then, yeah, because then that that keeps you like it's not it's not so far out of bounds to where no, it would be like ridiculous for you to say. It works. It absolutely works. It's like you know I'm old enough that I could have you know if we were still playing games in you know the Meadowlands, which we do, which is the new Giant Stadium. They always talked about, you know, that's the end zone where Jimmy Hoffa's buried. Well, I don't know how many people remember Jimmy Hoffa now. I haven't heard a Jimmy Hoffa joke in a game in years and years, right? But for the right. longest time, there was always that rumor that he was buried in the Meadowlands. Hey, that's where Jimmy Hoffa's buried. And everybody understood it. No one gets it anymore, even though the movie The Irishman came, at, came back. No one went back to that one. But the Coffin Kerner, we can bring that back because the Coffin Corner is not something that you hear very often anymore. I can drop that in there, maybe a little little quick education for the youngsters, and off we go. So just tell Brett to drop it inside the tent. We'll pass it along, and hopefully once once our bosses hear you say that on, on TV, uh, they then will allow us to print the T-shirts. Yeah, 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 okay? yeah, yeah. And then, 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 yeah, then you can print the T-shirts, and I won't even ask for a cut. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, yeah, you will not find a bigger podcast that is a uh, – bigger fans of Brett Kern on any podcast in America. Like this is the like number one home for Brett Kern fandom. And so we let gave him that nickname very early on. And let now we just need to make it official. Look, I need to ask you one other question. Brett gave up his number for Marcus, remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Remember Brett was wearing eight and he gave up his number. Like, I don't think they even asked. They just told him you're changing numbers. Cause a lot of times <laughs> you negotiate with a guy and get some money out of him. Yeah, right. but I think when he got drafted, they're like, Oh, Brett, you're getting a new number. Marcus will be wearing eight from here on out. And Brett's still around. Yeah. Oh, he's know? not going anywhere either. I, I know he should go back eight, to eight. No? He should get his Jersey number back for just with. Well, I think, he, I think he's digging, I think he's digging for now. You know, he's made his own identity with it. And he's like, look, I'm it's, so it's, good. It doesn't matter what the number is. I can putt in anything. It's that number six that he, that he's wearing that works so well for him. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be fine. You know, <laughs> it does not matter. It does not matter the number on his, on his jersey. He just punts it. Uh, all right. So Charles, now we, we have to, we have to ask you about arguably the most important part of your career. And for the last six years or so, uh, give or take, you, you alongside Charles Garden, 
Godens, excuse me. Have, Brand, Brandon, or, Brandon Godden. Brandon Godden. Oh, Brandon Godden. I don't – oh, they, that's me just typing yeah, Charles together, Davis. You mean, and you, Brandon. You kind, of, kind, of, kind of put it together like, you know, like Benifer. Yeah, right. You know, that was, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those – yeah, you are our favorite celebrity couple, really, is what I'm trying to get yeah, at. It, and so, yeah, <laughs> that, 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 was a little, that was a little odd there, but I'll go with it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just the, the, the duo of Charles Godden uh, have, <laughs> have provided the broadcast voices for Madden games for like the last, like, you know, six or so years. <laughs> I got I to gotta ask you because – I don't yeah. think I don't you know any gamer or anyone that you know casually plays Madden. I don't think realizes all the work that goes into that. And, I, and I'm from what I've what I've uh, understood is more work goes into doing the broadcast for a Madden game than it does for a four hour game every Sunday. Hmm. The it, so my question to you is is it has to be exhausting, or I guess how exhausting is it for you to? Uh, re-record line after line of like you know second and ten second and nine second and eight yeah. over and over and over again while still keeping the same level of enthusiasm for every single line <laughs> because i imagine by the time i'm like saying you know backup tight end anthony ferkser makes a catch for two yards backup ke- uh, tight end anthony ferkser makes a catch for three yards like by the time i get to that point in the list of lines of things i need to say i i can imagine i'd be pretty exhausted and tired and not being able to keep maintain that enthusiasm how do you do it oh boy well look let's let's just put it all on the table all right because for everyone who's listening and i think they 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 understand where we're all coming from doesn't matter what we do in our lives what our world is what our jobs are right let's let, let's just go from the premise that we like doing what we're doing Okay, whoever whoever we are and what we're doing, but even if we like doing what we're doing, there's certain aspects of your job that some days will get to you, right? Will be tedious. Maybe you're really not into that part of it, but you really like that part of it. So work from that premise, and and so people hear my voice and understand this is not one of those things because you guys understand when if someone who who is as fortunate as I am that works on Madden sits there and goes, oh, my God, the work and the this. Everyone at home is like, tell him to shut up, okay? <laughs> because I would do it tomorrow, right? It's right. the way it is, and I understand that. I absolutely get it. But we all have different portions. And, yes, there's some days it can be tedious. There's no getting around it. But the people I work with, we have people who write, you know, and put together scripts. Um, a lot of the scripts are, hey, this is what we're trying to get to. Here's some suggested things. If you have something different, please use it. Okay, there'll be times when the whole thing will be blank. Third and three, wide receiver catch ball on the right side, gain between 10 and 15 yards. Brandon set it up, Charles finish it off. We go through those things, all right? We have things that are definite, definite to have to get in. Okay, here's the list of 55 names today, guys, that we have to read off in making plays. This is what we're going to do. Bottom line is, yes. There are days you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? Oh, this is. But you know what? You know what brings you back all the time? Someone goes, oh my God, you work on Madden? That is so cool. (laughs) And you get reminded very quickly how fortunate you are, right? How lucky I am to be a part of that. And as you noted, this is uh, Brandon R. starting our sixth year. I mean, six years working on one of the preeminent things. And it's so steeped in the culture of what we do. 
You guys know that. How many times have you watched a game and heard someone make a Madden reference? Yeah. How many times have you talked to a player and he's talked about a Madden reference, whether it's an opponent? Oh, my God, did you see anyone off last week like something out of Madden? I sat down one time with Chandler Jones after I think he had three sacks in a game the week before, and he had no idea I worked on the game, zero. Because, you know, I'm just a voice, right? You're not right. seeing me and Brandon really in the game. So we kind of skate through a lot of this stuff. But people make references. There's not a week goes by that I don't do a game that there's not a mad reference from someone that I'm getting ready for the game. But we sat down with Chandler Jones to do a ball game a few years ago, three sacks the week before. And in the middle of his thing, I was like, man, you had a heck of a game last week. He goes, yeah, man, three sacks. If that doesn't change my Madden rating, I don't know what will. <laughs> so, kind of got so one this week with Derrick Henry. Right, but that tells you where we are with this game. That it is, it's a remember Keenan Allen going off two years ago about his rating, and yeah. he put it out on, on, on all social media that Madden was trash and it was this and it was that. Well, I do think that the people who do the ratings for Madden, I do think they figured out that sometimes if, if the rating's a little bit off, it actually attracts more attention <laughs> because yeah, guys man. will call them out for it. But you get where I'm going with it. I mean, it is a big deal for the guys. To be awarded a 99 is a huge deal for them, right? To get the golden cleats, you know? Yeah. To, to be the top-rated guy to your position. All of those things. I think, wasn't it, wasn't it, who was it last year that was really upset with the, with the Titans about the Madden rating? Like, how do you not have Brett Kern as, 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 as the top punter, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so you see, you, right? You see these things that happen. It is a big deal. Guys play it like mad. You know, you get the headset. You're playing your, your friend across the country. I've done interviews with guys, and they're like, we done? Yeah. I said, what you got going the rest of the day, man? I'm going to kick my friend's butt across the country. We got some mad. We're going to Madden today. <laughs> yes. And so you just know, wow, this is a big deal for these guys. It's a big deal to be a part of it. And what Coach Madden started to be a part of this franchise, we're really fortunate. So, so yes, everyone has days where it's not the greatest thing in the world because we all have other things in our lives. But overall, are you kidding me? <laughs> Bottom line is this, guys. I told you about my 23-year-old son. When I got the job, now remember, I've been fortunate enough in my career. I've called three national championship games when it was the BCS for Fox. I've done NFL games, NFL playoff game now. You know, I've been lucky enough to have a decent career. <laughs> when I told him about Madden, it's the first time I got street cred in my own house. <laughs> so that, that's that's all I can tell you. Yeah. Now, how much of how much of what you do in the game is scripted versus ad libbed? Because I do feel like, you know, just from playing the game, there are moments where I'm like, yeah. oh, he had to go off the cuff for that. Like just that, you know, that interaction, and it felt real. And I feel like that's one area of the game where it's, well, <laughs> yeah. some would some would say yeah, the only area of the game that. that that has improved over the years, but like your commentary has been, has felt real, like two guys actually sitting in a booth calling the yep. video game playing out at hand. How much of what you do is scripted versus just ad-libbed? Everything we work off of starts with a script because you can't just walk in and go, okay, what are we going to do to that? Sure. You know, they, they, they know what's going into the game. They know what needs improvement in the game. You, you guys know there's glitches that happen in the game. There, there are things that pop out that are, that are wrong. We, we call them fixes and patches. We will work on those every week as well when they come in, in front of us. But everything has to work off of a script. But are we allowed to go off script? Are we allowed to ad lib? Are we allowed to change things as we see fit? The answer is yes. So there's times when absolutely what's on the paper works really, really well. 
okay? Sometimes it's like, well, that worked well up until this morning, <laughs> but guess what? That doesn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah. And what's been really fun about it is when we do things, I will call different people about different things that we're either trying, working on, what have you, and they will help us with the game. You know, I was talking about ball security, and I'm saying, oh, the four points of pressure, and the guys were looking at me, like, what are you talking about? Hold on a minute. I got a phone called Steve Mariucci. I said, Booch, tell these guys about the four points of pressure. And I had him on speaker, and he's like, ah, get your hand, then your forearm, put it in the crook of your arm, then you got it against your chest, four points of pressure. Make sure that ball's covered, blah, blah, blah. Okay, thanks, Booch. What's that for? Going to Madden. Cool. Talk to you later. <laughs> That's awesome. You know? I mean, Randy Moss, who's one of the preeminent horse analysts, uh, horse racing analysts in the country, also does work for NFL Network as a reporter. I've gotten to be friends with Randy. I will use some horse racing references in. And one time we were talking about, okay, you know, is, is, is when, when they break out of the gate fast, what's that called? Hold on a minute, guys. Hey, Randy. Yeah. All right. When the horse breaks from the gate fast, when he comes flying out of the gate, he's the first one out of the gate. What do you guys call that? He goes, oh, that means he caught a flyer out of the gate. Thank you. That goes into the game. That's awesome. That, now, now, that, it, that's the fun of that's, that's the fun of this that people can help us try and make it and you know references across the board because we're all sports people and we all do that right. Basketball guys take football things, football guys take basketball things and baseball things and horse racing things, and we just try and have a little fun with it while we go. It's a copycat now, culture. Yeah, it See, is, and 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 you know imitation look. What have they always said? Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell reporters that I meet because I do a lot of research for games, talking with you guys. I said, you know, you may hear something during the game and go, hold on a minute. Did I write that? <laughs> I hope you take that as a compliment that I'm utilizing information that you've given us. Now, CD, I, I'll, I'll say this. I was a walk-on running back at the University of Missouri. We were always taught five points of uh, – pressure the fingers what was, your, what was your fifth point the uh finger? It, was, it was fingers hands forearms bicep chest now, i'm gonna talk to mooch because mooch, mooch gave me more <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tell mooch you're, you're missing one dude He's gonna yeah off. tell mooch <laughs> to update his coaching uh scheme because uh nowadays I said, yeah I said, I said, mooch, i'm about to tell mooch you know back in 1993 they added the fifth point i don't know <laughs> what happened to you but somehow they right. missed it but yeah it, this is version 5.0 <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. But thank you. Thank you for You're the coaching. We'll yeah, have just, to, there we'll, you go. We'll have just, to work that one in. Yeah, that right, right. It's a good thing you do updates every week, so then you can just add that yeah. one. Now. <laughs> you know, next time a guy has great ball security, I'll have to throw in the fifth point. <laughs> CD, while we have you on, I have to talk about the Tennessee Vols with you. Tough loss to Kentucky over the weekend. Uh, the quarterback situation hasn't really played out the way everyone hoped it would this year. Uh, so what does that mean? That means Tennessee's going to go ahead and fire their co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach. Uh, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Where do you see this Vols team going from here? And kind of how do you see the quarterback situation playing out? You know, that, that's a tough one for me because, you know, as a Vol, all I want is for them things to be good for them. And I'm not, you know, I'm not about to jump on kids. And I know kids are trying and all that. And I sound like my grandfather. But as an analyst, you're looking at it and you're saying to yourself, Kentucky was not one you expected to lose, especially not the way that it happened. All right. I mean, to throw two pick sixes, you bring in another quarterback, he throws an interception. COVID, 
I think for the quarterback situation was supposed to play itself out in spring ball. I think it was supposed to be a major league knockdown, drag them out derby with the freshmen coming in and, you know, the experienced guys and see who emerged. But when we didn't have spring practice, that changed things. You end up going with the veteran playing an all SEC schedule and he had a rough outing. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's had a few ones, those of those along the way. Wonderful young man. I hope he gets another opportunity to to make amends and, and get it right. But making amends and getting it right doesn't help you much when Bama comes to town. You know, I mean, we can we can hope all we want that boy maybe that major letdown after Georgia. But the one thing about Bama is they've always been very consistent with Coach Saban. So I think it's gonna it's a rough go for him. I'm gonna be rooting hard. You know, it's always Tennessee, Alabama, and, you know, every year, third week of, of October, I get a little crazy because that meant something to me and my teammates. And if we play in the fourth week, it means I get crazy for two weeks because it's just <laughs> in our blood. And we want to get back to competing the way we used to. You know, me and my team. I do have to I do have to walk my teammates off some ledges, though, because, you know, everybody's going crazy about, all right, blah, blah. And finally I said to him, we were in a group chat the other day, and I said, guys, did we go undefeated four straight years when we were in school? Did I miss something? Did we, did we never, did we never lose a game? You know, I was like, come on, you know, let's keep in mind we're old now, but we act like we never lost one along the way or, or never got upset. I mean, I said, guys, we were on the last Tennessee team to lose to Kentucky at home, 1984. Okay. That wasn't fun. All right. So this team lost. Now we've lost Kentucky three times in 35 years. I'm not trying to absolve the loss, but, but let's get just a touch of perspective along the way. And let's just see where the rest of the season goes. Because last year, it looked like it was spiraling, and they ended up having a big finish, which led them to feeling pretty good about this year. And now here we are again, and let's face it, this is a weird year for everyone. There's no getting around it. So let's see how it goes. At least we're still fortunate enough to be playing. You know, Florida's got a, a two-week break because of the COVID situation. So we just don't know how this season's going to play out, but I continue to keep my fingers crossed, continue to bleed orange, and I'll be a vol for life no matter what happens. VFLs. You can call Austin and myself many things, but I don't think you can call us Tennessee Volunteers apologists. Austin <laughs> with his Missouri connections. I grew up uh, closer to Nashville, so Vanderbilt's a little closer to my heart. Um, why do Tennessee Vols fans every single offseason, this is the year, this is the year, when no real signs are pointing that way from the prize, I, I get it. They finished hot last season and maybe hopes were yeah, up, yeah. but, but they put so much pressure on these kids and they just always seem to come it, up it, short. It, yeah. It's natural though. When, when, you know, when you go back and you, you trace the history, look, when I got to Tennessee in 1982, we were in a pretty down, down spot as well. You know, coach majors has been brought back to resurrect the program we were spiraling down, and then we when we won the SEC in 1985, so this tells you about how old I am, right? When we won in 85, that was our first SEC championship in 16 years. So, you know, our people blew the doors off of it, and we had a little bit of a bump, and in, in, in after that, and then, then the consistency finally took hold and kicked in, and we became a serious force, like we're used to being for a long, long time, right up to the end of Coach Fulmer. And so we're in that down category, and we as Tennessee people, we see ourselves as being up there where we're supposed to be, dealing with Georgia and Florida, not trying to fend off or compete with South Carolina, right, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Missouri. That's how we see ourselves. The reality is we haven't been that. 
The reality is we're all fighting that same battle trying to catch Georgia and Florida right now. That's what we're trying to get back to, to where that's consistent. And let's face it, you never lose your optimism if you're a fan. I don't care if you're a Missouri fan, a Vanderbilt fan, a Tennessee fan. Hey, Kentucky fans now think they're going to go off and, and do big things because they just kicked the heck out of Tennessee. It's the way the world works, and uh, I hope we never lose that enthusiasm. So when Vols fans say it feels like 98, do they mean it feels like 98 years until Tennessee will be good again? <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly hope it's not going to be 98 years because I'd like to be around to see it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, he is Charles Davis. Charles, dude, thanks so much for your time, man. This has been so much fun for us, and uh, just especially getting to catch up with you ahead of Titan Steelers this weekend. We all will be watching and we all will be listening closely, not just to your broadcast and analysis of the game, but really for you to say Coffin Kerner at some point <laughs> yeah. in the game. Um, we, uh, Charles, thank you so much for joining us, man. This has been such a blast. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a blast. And uh, you take care of yourself. Keep doing your thing. Keep having fun. Keep generating that enthusiasm. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk down the road. All right, Thanks, CD. Sounds good, CD. Thanks, Thanks again, lot, man. Be good. All right, bye. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. Charles Davis is the freaking man. But before we get into the rest of the show. Got to talk to you about mybookie.ag. Sports betting is the thing right now. Just like the Furbies and the Tamagotchis back in the day, the Tickle Me Elmos, sports betting is the newest, latest, and greatest fad, which really I don't think it's a fad. It's not going away anytime soon. As long as there have been humans, there has been gambling. And now that it's legal with sports betting, you need to hit up mybookie.ag and do us a favor when you do. Use code MYTITANS. That's M Y. T-I-T-A-N-S at mybookie.ag to double your first deposit that goes up to $1,000. It's free money, people. Don't know why you wouldn't do it. So do that, mybookie.ag. Now, Jack. Yeah, do yourself a favor. and to be Also, Saturday mornings, guys, I told you about this on the last episode. Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock or Saturday mornings around 10 or 11. A to Z puts out a Titans best bet. Okay. And I mentioned last week we were four and one on those. We moved to five and one. Deshaun Jackson went over 21 and a half rushing yards. Boom. Free money out there. Free money. I don't know who's running the best bets, but I would give that guy a raise. I would give him all of the money. <laughs> <laughs> Before we, uh, well, Jack, I think we, I think we need to, to start the second half of this podcast here. We need a Steph Con update because oh, yeah, Lost in the Shuffle was uh, oh, Stephen. Yeah, Stephen Goskowski went 0 for 2 uh, with field goals, one of which was blocked. Uh, but but he did he, he went Wendy's on extra points. The four, four for four. four, and so I I think I I do think we need to raise the Steph Con system. Uh, we need to alert people. And I don't know how you feel about it. We were at StephCon 6 for the last few weeks because he had been great. He had returned to Goatskowski form. But this week, he was off. And in kind of some critical moments, too, I think we raise it to a StephCon 3. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I think we go StephCon 3 as well. Missed two field goals. That's going to bump you down. If you go over two, and especially at the range, 
You know, getting yeah. a 27 yarder blocked is just not not great. And you go to overtime, if the Titans lose that coin toss, is it Steven Goskowski who's getting his name dragged through the mud? You know, yeah. where we are where we are right now because of leaving six points on the field. Look, he's gotten lucky a couple of times. No one's that. No one's disputing that. He's missed some crucial field goals at crucial times, but the Titans have still the Titans and Ryan Tannehill and that offense have still found a way to 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 come to, to get over that and win. Um, yeah. That was no different against the Texans. Gus Guskowski watched. We, he was on God Skowski level, right? <laughs> right. Right. Now he's in between good Skowski and not Skowski. <laughs> and what we'd like is no less than great Skowski. Mm-hmm. Uh, the he there have been weeks this this year where he bailed out the Titans' offense, and now the Titans' offense is bailing him out. I would like it if it's cool with everyone else. If it's cool with him. If we could just put it all together in one week where <laughs> Steven Gotzkowski goes perfect from field goals. Uh, the offense is just perfect and on point. And then, you know, let's put up like, let's hang 60 on a team this year. Why That'd not? Be great. Like, it's like, it's like the Titans feng shui where <laughs> not all three units can be hitting at the same time. If offense <laughs> no. performs well, defense has to suck. If defense performs well, well, we haven't seen that yet. If special teams performs well, offense has to, you know, kind of, they're going to need some special teams to pick them up. And sure. what we had last week was special teams performing dreadfully, uh, really just Goskowski's field goal unit and the offense, you know, covering their ass, saving their asses one more time. Uh, Steven Goskowski, we've had this theory, right? He has, he doesn't wear a sock on his kicking foot. That happened after Denver. Right. And when he started doing that, uh, he started converting on field goals, right? He started looking good. Um, we we mentioned that it's going to be tougher to do once the weather gets a little chilly. Right. You need more layers. Yeah. You need more layers, and it's at least the sock layer on your kicking foot. At least, at very least. We're, yeah. We're almost to November. It's time to put start. It's time to start putting socks on our feet, people. Right, Stephen. And we we did we did mention when we first brought that up. We we weren't sure if it would be better for a kicker to get frostbite on his feet because then you would lose feeling in your feet. But we're we're at that we're at that awkward point of the year where it's not cold enough to get frostbite. It's like chilly to where your foot will just be flat out cold. Not frostbite cold, but just cold. And that's where we're seeing him struggle. I think later in the year, as it gets colder, like really frigid cold, if he goes without a sock, okay, then he'll get frostbite and just lose feeling. And then that's probably a good thing for a kicker, right? <laughs> now yeah, sure. now is the awkward time. Say that again. Charles Davis was a high school kicker. We totally should have asked him about this. No, we should have asked him. Yeah, I know. We dropped the ball on that one. Uh, not not using the five points of call uh, of of pressure. That's a callback. <laughs> the uh, okay. So, um, oh, real quick. Last thing I want to say. You brought up special teams. I love Khalif Raymond as punt returner. He's I think great. he's gonna break one. He's fun to watch, isn't he? Yeah. So he's quick. a good. He's a good punt returner. Best punt returner I think the Titans have had since Mariani. Can I say that? Yeah, I'll allow it. I mean, okay. I mean right. certainly, sure as shit wasn't Darius Raynaud, you know. I mean, <laughs> the coverage team's been okay. Kern's been down, and Kern's only punted 14 times. That's third. That's the third least amount of punts in football right now. Nine of yeah. his 14 punts inside the 20. There's a good chance, people, that we hear a coffin corner this week. Hey, and if someone hears it, if you're watching the game and you hear Charles Davis say Coffin Kerner, please film it and tweet it uh, at us at 
Tighten Up Pod or or send it to us on Instagram at Tighten Up Podcast. We want to we want to hear it and we want to see it. So send it to us. Let us know that we got our job done. This is this is a tough one. We keep putting it out like we we keep setting lofty goals for us, but we've we've accomplished all of them, and we're hoping we accomplish this one this weekend. Got to talk about Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel, the dude somehow has stolen Bill Belichick's superpowers. Late yeah. late in the game last week, he sends uh, Kalu, Josh Kalu, on to the field when they already had 11 guys on the field. And you're probably thinking, okay, why did he what do that? Yeah, what are you? Bill O'Brien? Like, what are you? <laughs> Come on, dude. Like, what are you, Romeo Cornell? No. Can you even tell? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they get the flag. They give the Texans uh, the first down, which they, they were probably going to get the first down anyway. So I, that I don't really care that they gave them the first down. But the important thing there is they stopped the clock. And this is about 3.05 left in the game, I want to say. So mm-hmm. it's coming down to crunch time. The Titans were losing. But they got a free timeout from that penalty. Now, Mike Vrabel hasn't admitted that he did it intentionally. But to let's be honest, he did it intentionally. We saw last year in the playoffs against Bill Belichick that he knows how to work the clock system. He knows the rules, which is fantastic because how many times do teams lose games because their coaches are terrible with clock management? Rabel doesn't have that issue. If anything, he works the system to benefit him, to help him out, and we saw that on Sunday. Now, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, Jack, Go, but I kind of hope he goes full Belichickian, okay? Okay, I like this. There's maybe there's a new football coaching law. We call it the associative property of Belichick, where Vrabel yes. just played under him and sp- like a sponge just gained all of his football knowledge, all of his clock manipulation tactics and has transformed into the leading coach of the year candidate, dare I say it? Ooh, ooh, too soon? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's too soon to say. You got to you got to have a front runner at some point in this season at this part of the season. I hope I hope Vrabel continues to go full Belichickian. He's got the clock portion down. He's got the he knows the rules inside and out. That he's she's shown us firsthand. Now I hope he starts cheating. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm it's not listening. something not something you hear uh, a fan of the team say. You don't you don't hear a lot of people say, yeah, I hope my team cheats. But I kind of hope my team cheats. I kind of hope the Titans start filming the other team's sidelines. I hope they start taping the other team's walk-ons or walk-throughs. I, I kind of hope they start uh, deflating footballs. You know, I'll stop. Uh, I'll stop beating around the bush. Just cheat. I, I want the Titans to start cheating. And you know why? Because if there's one thing that the NFL has proven us over the last, I don't know, let's say give uh, two decades. Okay. About the time Tom Brady came strong, into the league. Strong sample size. Yeah. The NFL punishes people who cheat on their wives more than they punish teams that actually cheat on the sport. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You could ask Earl Thomas about that one. Okay. He still doesn't have a job in case you haven't noticed. (laughs) All right. So clearly, but, but, but Tom Brady, Oh, Oh, you know, teams were fighting for him. They wanted him on their, uh, their quarterback as their quarterback this year. The, the Patriots, one of the most respected franchises in the sport, and they've been caught cheating three times. Okay, and it's not just in the NFL. You go over to baseball. You've got the the Houston Astros. Beating they got caught trash cans left and right. 
Exactly. They got caught cheating. They admitted to cheating. Uh, they got super defensive when everyone started calling them cheaters. But yet, they nothing happened to them because the players got immunity for admitting to cheating. Okay. They the the only thing that happened to them was their 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 GM and their manager were let go. And they come one win short of a World Series appearance. I mean, exactly. And and the the, uh, nothing to to really you know hamper their their chances of winning another title, which is completely backwards of what it should happen. But look, look, you don't you need to adapt to what's going on around you, right? If no one else is getting punished for cheating, why not us? Why don't we try and why don't we adapt and cheat and not get punished? At the end of the day, people talk about the Patriots' six Lombardi trophies more than they talk about the three cheating scandals that may or may not have helped them get those trophies. Okay, I don't look the 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 commissioner in uh, of baseball, Rob Manfred, actually came to the Astros' defense and said, "You better not throw at these guys." So, like, they couldn't even uh, have justice be brought to them on the field. Same thing with the NFL, with the with the Patriots. They've cheated three times and they they've got nothing. So here, what basically what I'm saying is the Titans should just start cheating because <laughs> I would much rather have six Lombardi trophies or even a Lombardi trophy. Uh, and if it comes with a little baggage of yeah, you cheated to get that, I, it doesn't matter. You can't take it away. So I mean, I guess technically they could, but they haven't taken it away. They haven't taken away any of the Patriots. They haven't taken the the Astros World Series trophy away. I'm just saying, maybe it's time to start cheating. Maybe fly a little drone over Baltimore's practice field. John Harbaugh looks up in the sky. Yeah. Like, oh, that's probably just my weird brother, Jim, you know, driving a drone to go fly over some weird high school kicker's house where he can just spy on him for the rest of the day. Right. Right. And look at Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, who the, who the Titans play this week. Mike. Everyone talks about Mike Tomlin being one of the best coaches in the NFL, and he is. But nobody talks about when Mike Tomlin literally walked out onto the field and tried to trip the uh, the punt returner after he or kick returner that uh, got loose and literally stuck his foot out to try and trip him. Nobody talks about that with Mike Tomlin because all they remember about is the wins. And if nope. if the cheating brings wins, then you don't even really have to worry so about the cheating after. The end zone. Yeah, exactly. That's all you think about. All right, so that's but, that's but my take. I just think the but back to Mike Vrabel, because Mike Vrabel really does have a case for the NFL's Coach of the Year award. And we are only five games in right now, but you, he, he was expected to be in this race before the season. We look at BetMGM, BetMGM's odds. Sorry, that's a weird way to finish. <laughs> it's BetMGM right, it's a, okay, Bet had odds prior to the season. Uh, who's going to win the Coach of the Year award? Uh, Kyle Shanahan was the early favorite, tied with Frank Reich of the Colts. Both at plus 1,000. Vrabel checks in at plus 1,400. Same odds as Bruce Arians of the Buccaneers and Sean McDermott of the Bills. Now, in between those five names uh, is Bill Belichick with the Patriots at plus 1,200. Vrabel was going to be considered for this award if the Titans were to succeed. Now the Titans are undefeated five games in. Vrabel has won this won this game really due to clock manipulation. Now the delay of game penalty, what it did move the Titans up to the 20 yard or move the Texans to the 20 yard line, meaning that they can only get a new set of downs one more time. And that was at the 10 yard line. So there were, there would be, there was guaranteed to be enough time on the clock with the Titans having three timeouts left for Tannehill to kind of commandeer drive down the field. And it ended up happening. Vrabel looks like a genius. That's not the first time he pulled that same exact 12 man penalty. 2018, the Titans and Marcus Mariota are down to the jets late in the fourth quarter. I believe around six minutes to play. 
and no, no, I believe around the same same amount of time, like two two minutes thirty. Six minutes was the Patriots thing, where they did the delay a game, then the false start to keep the clock moving. 2018, Vrabel stops the clock, sends a 12th man out against the Jets. The Titans then, after it was a second and short, the Jets pick up the first down on the penalty. The Titans come up with a three, uh, three, uh, you know, they stop them on the next three downs, getting a punt, getting the ball back. Mariota leads them on a game-winning drive. Vrabel is, look, maybe it's from Bill, being around Bill Belichick. Maybe it's because of the work he does. Maybe it's because of the analysis, uh, the anal- the anal- analytic guys he has under him. We, we've talked about Stretch before, his six seven right-hand man. Uh, who, who comes up with all these different scenarios and what he should do and re- how he should react in these scenarios late in games. Mike Vrabel, front runner for coach of the year. I, I would vote for, I don't know how you couldn't agree with that. Who else would even be in the discussion? Tomlin, obviously. Um, but, but from then on, I mean, none of them hold a candle to what Vrabel's done with this Titans team. Not even, not even the clock manipulation coming off COVID without practicing for over two weeks. They dominate the Bills, also were undefeated at the time. Then on a short week, Tuesday, after beating the Bills in a very physical game where about 20 Titans were on the injury report, the estimated injury report, they come out and beat the Texans in a nail-biter where they're still shorthanded. They, they're still without Corey Davis. Uh, you know, Johnny Smith goes down. Vrabel still finds a way to coach this team to victory. It's, it's, it's insane, and Mike Vrabel needs to – people need to start putting respect on Mike Vrabel's name. November 3rd. Get out and vote. Mike Vrabel for Coach of the Year. Exercise <laughs> <laughs> the people. Yeah, exercise your right to vote, okay? Get out there. Not enough people are telling you to do that this year. We felt like we needed to uh, to remind you. Let's uh, let's get into Remember the Titan. This is a we just remember, guys. We just remember old Titans of, of past. Um, Jack, do you want to go ahead and go first? Yeah, I'll lead off. We mentioned tight ends a few times throughout this podcast. Johnny Smith got injured. Oh, we always talk about tight ends. We love sure. tight ends around here. Anthony Ferks or ASAP Ferks steps up over 100 yards receiving. Uh, just a monstrous performance from him. I want to talk about a tight end that played for the Tennessee Titans in 2015 and 2016. Okay. Tight, tight end kind of sounds like tight end if you think about it. Titan tight ends are pretty valuable. Yeah. You, like It almost sounds like you're saying the same word over and over. Tight, Titan tight end. This particular Titan tight end uh, went to Notre Dame. Okay. He was drafted in the second round to the Dallas Cowboys in the 06 draft. It's Vince Young's draft. Um, he ends up winding up with the Titans when he's 31 and 32 years old. His name is Anthony Fasano. He started 21 games in two years for the Titans, catching four touchdowns, all from Marcus Mariota. And really, this was just a journeyman tight end. You know, he, he started with Dallas, he went to Miami where he had some success. You know, he had a seven-touchdown season at one point. Comes to the Titans, fills in, uh, k- kind of plays w- plays alongside Delaney Walker. Catches four touchdowns, uh, you know, four touchdowns in, what was it here, 34 passes, 34 receptions, four of them are touchdowns. I mean, the, the ratio there is great. It, but, yeah. You know, the record, the record the Titans had in 2015 and 2016, well, that was not. No. Nobody talks about the uh, Fasano's ratio. You know, not enough people are talking about it. So I'm glad you brought right. light to that. And Fasano, probably my favorite tight end, whose name also sounds like an Italian restaurant. Fasano. Have you had the breadsticks at Fasano's? They are delicious. The portion, the portion control is just absolutely out of this world. Uh, Fasano. They they put this sauce on their uh, 
on their fettuccine Alfredo that is just to die for. I you really got to try it at Fasano's. The <laughs> the uh, since it is Steelers week, my remember the Titan this week. I'm going with a former Steeler and Titan, a guy by the name of Christopher Pierre Hope. Ooh, I like this. Two- 2008 Pro Bowler, Super Bowl 40 champion, which we don't have to talk about, and Tennessee Titan from 2006 to 2011. Um, In his first year with the Titans, he led the team with five interceptions and 128 tackles. Uh, It's never a good sign when when one of the guys in your secondary is is racking up 128 (laughs) tackles, but that should just tell you uh, where the Titans were at in 2006. He, um, a few fun facts about Chris Hope. He founded the IC Hope Charitable Fund to support volunteerism and charitable efforts in his hometown of Rock Hill, South Carolina. But the way it's spelled, (laughs) the way this foundation is spelled, it looks like it's called Ichope. <laughs> oh, no. Spelled, it's yeah, a good it's pun. Spelled, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a witty foundation. Oh, yeah. Right. It, it, but it's spelled like an iPhone where it's like got the lowercase i and then C-Hope is just one word. So it just looks like it's called the Ichope Foundation. Um, but I, I'm I, not going to hate on Chris Hope's foundation. Way. I, neither am I. Neither am I. I think it's great that he's got a foundation. I'm I'm going I'm going to make uh, a little bit of fun of the marketing behind the foundation. Sure, we could you know if we could just put a little space between the I and the C and the hope. I think people would it would because it took me a while. I'll be honest, it took me a while. I was like, what I chope? Why did he call it I chope? And then I was like, oh, it's I see hope. Okay, I I get it now. I see it. I I I literally see it. Um, so uh, shout out to that charitable fund and i bet you're wondering jack and and you you tend to ask this every week we do remember the titan um but you're probably wondering you know what's his favorite bible verse that's what i ask every time we bring up remember the titan what is his favorite favorite bible well don't don't you worry i've actually got your answer right here chris hope's favorite bible verse romans 5 3 through 4 and um you're probably wondering how i know that And, and and it's like, no, like we don't go to the same church. Obviously, like I, I don't even live in Nashville anymore. Um, I, I found that out because of, it's listed on his Wikipedia page. So I just felt like I should go with it. And you're probably wondering, what does is, what is Romans 5, 3 through 4 say? Well, sit back. It says, and I quote, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Dude, his I own see, last name is in the freaking Bible verse. That is his favorite. I freaking love that. And I, uh, Chris Hope, shout out to you. Shout out for uh, having a a a name that uh, Titans fans can relate to this season. Because we all have hope, even though he's not on the roster this year. We all have hope, and uh, looking forward to uh, where this Titans season goes. I was thinking the Bible verse would have said something along the lines of, "And on the eighth day, Jesus Christ." Gave the ball to Derrick Henry, Jesus Christ, and Ryan Tannehill. You know, but that, that should be the eleventh commandment. They, they, they could maybe update it. That's how the Bible works, right? You just update it as time goes on. Uh maybe for like uh maybe like uh the the Church of Latter Day Saints, maybe. I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh no, but we'll ask Taysom Hill about that when he comes on. Yeah, exactly. Um, what's next? Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, this is a huge week. Five and zero versus five and zero. 
but both teams, and we, we talked about this with Charles, but on, both teams have only played one team with a winning record. The Browns, uh, who the Steelers manhandled last week, and the Bills, who the Titans manhandled uh, the week prior to last week. So this is an interesting game because I really feel like neither team has been truly tested. Um, no, but but the Titans just being in close games, I feel like that's a big enough test in its own right. You know, sure, constantly week in week out being in close games in finding a way to win. That's that's its own test. Now you can argue strength of schedule, uh, but having to play the undefeated Buffalo Bills without practicing for two weeks, having to play the the Texans who are no slouch with Deshaun Watson at their quarterback without a full roster of guys uh, is tough. So. The Titans have had their own test. Now their opponents haven't been strong, but they've been tested for sure. Now mm-hmm. both teams will be tested this week. Uh, the signal caller on the defensive side of the ball, Devin Bush, will be out for the Steelers. How do they react? They've got a great secondary led by safety, Minka Fitzpatrick. They acquired at the trade deadline last season from the Dolphins. Yeah, he uh, had for a pick a, six a, on Sunday. First round pick. Look, that secondary is tough. It's not going to be easy to throw on. And that front line, Charles Davis alluded to it in the interview with Tuit, uh, Watt, Hayward, no, those guys aren't going to be easy for Henry to run on. So something's got to give on Sunday. Now, will will the Titans' offense be able to overcome uh, not only Lawan's injury, but you know their toughest test that they will they will have faced throughout throughout the season, or will it be the Steelers' offense who capitalizes on a sorry Titans' defense? Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Well, it'll be a litmus test for how good this offense is going up against a defense as good as the Steelers. And everyone's focus on will be on that side of the ball. The Titans offense versus the Steelers defense, both ranked second in in uh in the league in for their respective categories. I'm curious as to what's going to go on the other side of the ball. Yeah, me too. The Steelers Steelers offense versus the Titans defense. Titans defense has not been great. Steelers offense has been pretty good. That's going to be there. If anyone is going to need to step up, even even including Stephen uh, Goodskowski, <laughs> I think the I think it's it's on the defensive side of the ball for the Titans, and I, I that's that's where I think this game is going to be won or lost is whether or not this defense can step up in uh, critical moments in the game. I just hope Big Jeff Simmons goes off for like nine sacks. Bold prediction. Jadavian Clowney gets his first sack of the season. We haven't seen Big Ben in a walking boot yet. Ooh. Maybe that defensive line and that pass rush kind of gets going and and forces Big Ben to, to to maybe take a few more hits than he's used to taking so far this season. Give us Mason Rudolph. Give us him. Yes, please. I yeah. Get rid of uh, freaking uh, or Duck Hodges. Yeah, they've got uh, the. What is it, Yukon Cornelius? When Big Ben had his beard, he looked like Yukon Cornelius from those old uh, Rudolph uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. movies. And then they've also got Rudolph backing up Yukon Cornelius. So it's it's almost like a Christmas movie there with this dealer <laughs> at the quarterback position. So, uh, all right. So this is a big one. And uh, we'll be watching. And you guys should be watching for Charles Davis to say the Coffin Kerner. Coffin be Kerner. watching. Keep keep note, keep tabs, film it, and send it to us if you hear it. We need to know if they do it. And if you're at the stadium, if you're at the stadium, be listening for Young Buck. If you hear Young Buck played in the stadium, try and capture it on video and send it to us as well. We want to uh, see our our 
the things that we have worked so hard for come come true, and we want to see it for our, ourselves with our own two eyes. So yep. help us out in those regards. You guys are the best listeners in podcast history. The Tuppers, we love you guys. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Tighten Up Pod. Give us a follow on Instagram at Tighten Up Podcast. Give my guy Jack Gentry a damn follow on Twitter, you people, at Jack A. Gentry, one of the best in the game. You can follow myself if you care to do so at Austin Huff. And um, yeah, Jack, you got anything for the road? Nope. We got our couple hands. Uh, we, we got our hands in a couple pots this week, don't we? Listening for the Coffin Kerner and Young Buck. So you guys be attentive, be aware. If you hear it, yep. let us know. Uh, before we go, leave us a review. Uh, you know, Buck Buck likes to poke fun at us sometimes. Oh, yeah. Our reviews go to the same place as his reviews. He thinks he's yeah. better. Uh, we know we have better listeners than Buck does, although some of them right. may listen to both. But yeah, help, help us take. Uh, we love Buck. Obviously, he's been on this podcast twice. He's the only person to be on this podcast twice outside of Jack and I. We love him, but help us take him down a peg or two. Don't, uh, don't but, but don't one star Buck five star. Up. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Don't one star Buck. Give us five stars, but say these five stars go. All five of them go to the Titan Up Podcast, or uh, or like maybe like four and a half of these five stars go to the Titan Up Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, throw throw a few scraps his way too, because we know he needs it. Uh, but yeah, leave us a review. You guys are the best, and we appreciate you doing it. Even if you've already left a review, leave another one, just because uh, you guys. You guys are just awesome, and we love our listeners, and we appreciate Ooh. all each and every single one Austin, of you. before we head out, this podcast, since we've been doing this thing, the Titans have yet to lose a game. I'm just Not saying. Hey, our predictions are from our prediction haven't, episode back in the spring, still true. Yet. You're right. 5-0. and oh. Let's make it 6. Let's make it 6-0. and oh. maybe, maybe the Titans, look. You know, like people like to say, oh, was, you know, the Titans need a Ryan Tannehill to put this offense together. You know, the Titans needed just a – those the, the Javing Clowney, the the pieces, you know. No, no, no. Titans needed this podcast to start. The Titans needed the Tighten Up podcast to come through because, look, I think we have the best record of all the Titans podcasts that are out there. Oh yeah, not without a doubt. I mean, Esports yeah. Pod. They look. They they've been around, they've been around for a while. Around but they they've, yeah. they've got a loss on their resume. They've got a few losses on there. Sure, we're on board. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How many AFC Championship games has this podcast lost? None. So, that's correct. Yep. Just saying. You guys are too, you guys are subscribed to the right podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you all. And uh, until next week, tighten up. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans. They'll keep on fighting all the way.